Good morning. It's great to be here. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be now and ever acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We've got two short um, Bible passages this morning, and while at the moment you can't see the connection, I hope by the end that you will. First from Isaiah chapter 42. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. And from what we call the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter six. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Thank you, Hugh. The passage we heard from Isaiah is part of uh, a collection of four pieces of poetry which have been called the servant songs. The likelihood is that they were written towards the end of the exile in Babylon or perhaps just after as the nation began to return home. And as with all poetry and indeed prophecy, it can be read on more than one level. It was true at the time it was written in one sense and then has an eternal truth which stretches beyond. And it's likely that the servant that Isaiah, the writer of this portion, was thinking about was Israel herself. It's fairly common in the Old Testament for Israel to be uh, given a, a singular pronoun, to be called he or my servant or my son. And here the writer is thinking about the role and the purpose that for which Israel was chosen. All through the Old Testament, it's called the chosen nation, my chosen people. But over and over again, that idea of being chosen was translated into chosen for privilege rather than chosen for purpose. And over and over again, Israel failed to live up to the role and the responsibility that it had been given. So here, Isaiah is not thinking about the nation as it is, but the nation as it should have been, the nation as it should be into the future. The nation that is going to bring justice. Now here we have an idea of justice which is probably much wider than our idea of what justice is. It doesn't just mean bringing, getting people to get what they deserve or, or indeed treating people with fairness and, and equity. 
Rather, this is a much wider idea of justice, linked with the ideas of righteousness and goodness and truth. And here we're talking about that righteousness, which is about right relationships, about right attitudes, about right understanding. And here, I think the writer is talking about the truth about who God is and what he has done and bringing that knowledge of that truth to all nations. Who is he? He is the one true God. There are no others. There aren't lesser gods around as well. There is one true God. And what has he done? He has created all that is. He is the only creator, the only redeemer, the only judge, the only king. And Israel's job was to bring that truth to a world that needed to hear it. And over and over again, she failed to do it. It didn't happen. Promises were made and broken. Covenants were instigated and then lost. But in this song, we also have another role, as well as the royal role of justice. We have the priestly role of caring. That was Israel's job to bring the justice, but also to show how much God cared for his people and to be that advocate for people before the throne. That's one level on which we can see this. But there is another level, because as we were singing earlier on with the children, from Genesis to Revelation, there is just one story. And it's all about Jesus. So we can also see this, as we have done, as Christians across the world do. We see the embodiment of the servant in Jesus's life. In his life, in his ministry, in his suffering, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension into the heavenly places. He is the servant. Now, Israel began with one man. Abraham called out of his homeland to a new place, was the father of a nation which we called Israel. Israel, the chosen people, chosen for purpose, not for privilege. That nation grew. By the time of David, it had international status. But then it dwindled and declined. And as from one man there grew a whole nation, from a whole nation it went down to a remnant in Babylon that came back to their homeland. But still, even restored, they couldn't fulfill their function. And so from 
a nation, we get down to one man. We get down to Jesus. And then from one man, we have the new Israel, the new nation. We have us. And just as Israel's function was to be that servant, bringing the rule and reign of God, fulfilling a kingly purpose, a royal purpose in creating justice and equity and taking on the priestly role of caring. So now we are that new Israel. Servants of the servant. Servants with a little s of the servant with a capital S. And now our role is to be the servant, the elect ones in whom God rejoices, those who have his spirit upon them to bring that justice, that knowledge of who God is to a whole world. Wow. That's tough. Israel couldn't do it. Jesus could. And through Jesus, so can we. I want to get a bit uh, personal now and um, just tell you something that I hope will be an encouragement and a help. My name is Susan, you all know that, and it comes from the Hebrew, uh, the original name was Susanna, and it means lily. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of a lily, I think of those tall, graceful, elegant, upright, slender lilies that are often associated with funerals. And Nobody who knows me, even my kindest friend or the dearest member of my family, would ever say that all those words, tall, uh, slender, elegant, beautiful, will always apply to me. And for a long time, I thought that I had been seriously misnamed. That wasn't who I was. Until I realized that when Jesus was talking about the lilies of the field, those weren't the lilies he was talking about. Actually, probably we should have translated lilies as anemones. And he was talking about the common or garden wildflowers that brought beauty to the hillsides of Judah and the lands around. Those flowers, he said, even though they didn't work, were more beautiful than Solomon with all his grand clothes and gold and silver and pearls. Even he couldn't compare to the beauty of those lilies, those anemones, those wild flowers. And this gives me great hope. Because although I see that the task is huge, I take comfort in the fact that Jesus said that the lilies of the field, 
those flowers growing just where they were put, just how they were designed to grow, were not in any way diminished by being small, that God cared for them and that they, in the role that they were given, in the place that they were put, could bring beauty and truth and grace and loveliness and contentment and happiness to the people who saw them. We don't have to do this job on our own. We are called to be that servant. We are called to be the advocate for those who have no voice. We're called to be the bringers of justice. We're called to care. And I think the picture that we have in these short verses from Isaiah are really beautiful. He'll bring justice to the Gentiles, but he won't do it by being loud or aggressive or yelling at people. He will bring a gentleness and strength to the role. He'll be so caring that if he sees a branch that is bent, he won't pull it out. Rather, he'll bind it up. He'll care for it. And if he sees an ember just glowing faintly, he won't quench it. He'll breathe on it and bring it back to life. He'll establish justice in the earth. And why does it say at the end, and the coastlands will wait for his law? Well, you probably know that the Israelites were not a seafaring nation. In fact, quite often when they wanted to describe chaos, they talked about the sea. So here, this influence of the servant goes right to the edges of chaos itself. We live in a chaotic world. We live in a world where many have been broken and bruised by the economic situation, by COVID, by injustice, by war, by calamity. And we are to be those that bind up those broken reeds, that gently breathe life into places where there seems to be no hope and enthusiasm is dying. And we're gonna be able to do it right to the edges of chaos because we have God on our side. And we don't need to worry that we are too small, too frail, too quiet, too timid, because we have the servant on our side, the servant to give us the strength, the resilience, all that we need to fulfill the role that he has given to us. And in his name, we ask for that help. And in his name, we live and love and have our being. And to him be all the glory. Amen. <laughs>